Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. Let's get started with Clint Haycock from MindShift. How you doing, Clint? I'm doing good, David. I'm really excited to be doing this. We've been talking about doing a sermon, so I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're doing a sermon, in fact, from our old stomping grounds. I thought that I would initiate you by, you know, making you feel comfortable and cozy uh, and bringing in, you know, a preacher from our old cult, uh, church. That's true. Denomination. Yep, yep. <laughs> Just, yep. Just like you, I was raised in the Church of Christ. I think I was baptized three times. You were baptized four times, so you got me beat by one. No, no, no. You're thinking about something. <laughs> I think Andrew may have been baptized multiple times. Oh, yeah. how many no, times were you baptized? Just the one at age seven. Oh. And I, you see, here's the thing. Even at age seven, baptism was for real and forever. And I mm. knew my own mind. And there was never a time in uh, my church career that I felt like, ah, maybe, maybe I need to do that baptism thing again. Maybe, maybe it wasn't so good the first time. I never thought that. Right. Yeah. Not so me. I was baptized three times. <laughs> Believe it Just or not, kept failing. <laughs> that is that is very common. It's it's very it is, common yeah. in the especially in the churches of Christ. Uh, you yep. you got to get it right. So. Uh, that said, uh, a little-known fact about you, a little-known fact, just want to pull back the blanket a little bit, uh, Clint is actually Dr. Clint, Dr. Clint Haycock. It's true. Um, I called him Clint. Uh, he has not <laughs> uh, become offended yet, <laughs> but I call all of my guests uh, by their first name because we're all idiots on the internet, uh, but Clint is actually a idiot with pedigree. Yeah, so uh, what? Uh, what's your doctorate in? Well, so I live over here in the UK. I've been here about 16, almost 17 years. I originally came over to do this doctorate in Old Testament studies and preaching. So I'm an Old Testament guy. I did it on the book of Ezekiel, and then I applied that to homiletics, which is preaching. So that's what brought me over here, and I've just stayed on. I taught at a Bible college for about eight years in Leeds and Liverpool, and then kind of deconstructed and walked away from the faith. So that kind of messes up your theological career a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just wanted to let that. the audience know how thoroughly outclassed I am today <laughs> by my guest. Um, but we do have at least one thing in common. We are both refugees from the Church of Christ. However, we may have very different backgrounds and very different experiences. The Church of Christ is not monolithic, just like uh, most churches. You know, if we said the Baptist Church. The Baptist Church is not monolithic. There are different flavors of Baptists that are very different from one another. There are different flavors of the Churches of Christ that are very different. And so during this program, we might discover some of those differences We've got a longish sermon. It's about 45 minutes. I'm going to try to not interrupt it that much, but you guys know me. You, you know what you're in for. Come on. You can't help uh, yourself. My finger is on the button. I got, I'm twitchy. <laughs> uh, Clint, when you want to step in, 
just do the Matthew maneuver. Okay, uh, Matthew has proven to be absolutely the best uh, at getting me to stop. He just says, stop. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's very forceful, very military. Um, <laughs> I, I, I stop. My finger's on the button. So if you even look like you want to stop, I want to stop. <laughs> so, okay. uh, uh, I'll remember but, that. But I will stop fairly frequent, frequently. And so if you don't feel comfortable doing that, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll stop and, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with the comments. Here we go. This is um, a preacher. His name is Mike Mazzalongo. I was just looking at uh, this name just before we pulled the trigger on the show. I think I know this guy. Uh, I can't mm -hmm. remember where I know him from, but I've been in I've, I've been to so many conferences, uh, worked with a lot of churches in different capacities, and um, I th I think that we have crossed. So, without any further ado, this is one of the bigger names in a very small pond. Here we go. All right, so this is Bible Warfare, How to Defend Your Faith, lesson number two. And I just want to start here. Okay, sorry. This you didn't even let the guy get started. No, <laughs> because this is something very familiar, um, in the, especially in the more conservative branches of the Church of Christ. Bible warfare. You know, it's it's a very militant kind of language. You don't hear this uh, a lot these days, except in very conservative, very fundy type of churches. The Church of Christ, even its mainline sect, is still pretty conservative uh, as as far as churches go. And when you see something uh, like Bible warfare classes on Bible warfare, your hackles should go up, and for good reason. I um, just wanted to point that out. I haven't heard that term in a long time. Yeah. Well, before you start, too, David, hang on, stop for mm -hmm. a second. I'm going to be interested to find out if he gets into spiritual warfare on this discussion or topic, whatever he's talking about, because when I was in the church, apologetics was about defending your faith, but it wasn't a militant thing. You know, we had to defend our faith, uh, but it was it was engaging people, not just pissing them off. So I'm I'm interested to see where he goes with it. Yeah, I have not heard uh, all of this sermon. I've just kind of skipped yeah. through it a little bit. Um, it, it's a you know he's a good teacher. Um, Church of Christ preachers are very boring. So you know, of the boring <laughs> preachers, this one this is one of the better ones. Um, I don't exactly know where he's going to come down, but it, I don't think that we're going to hear the word spiritual warfare here. Mm -hmm. That not a very Church of Christy term for conservatives, and I, I think it's probably think pretty so. conservative. Christ saved. So we started our class on Bible warfare: how to defend your faith by listing the rules of engagement last week, basic rules to help us maintain communication when discussing religious issues with our friends and with our families. A lot of times, you know, there's a division and hurt feelings can happen, not on account of what is being taught, but on account of the attitude that people have when they're trying to share their faith. So we said there are some kind of basic rules of engagement if we want to maintain communication and, and good relationships you know, with our family and friend, uh, friends uh, if, if we're discussing religious 
ideas. So rule number one, respect other people's sincerity. Remember that others hold deeply uh, and dearly their views and to disrespect that will cause communication breakdown. You, know, you may disagree with their beliefs, but you mustn't be disagreeable in doing so. It's okay to disagree. We disagree on this particular issue, but uh, <coughs> if we want to keep the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the door of communication open, we have to be uh, polite, we have to be kind. Um, second one, stick to the Bible. Your objective is always to understand accurately and then communicate accurately what the Bible says, and actually what you believe the Bible says. It's okay to say, I believe that the Bible says. When you say, I believe that the Bible says, what you're saying is, I don't know everything, and I, I, I could be mistaken, but as far as this point is concerned, I believe that this is what the Bible says. That's okay, that's, that's fine to, to, stay that, to say that. Um, um, not, I feel. You know, I feel that. I feel that it's not fair that God should judge people. You know, that, that has no, you don't get anywhere just by comparing feelings. The questions that you've submitted will all be answered in this context. You know, the questions that you've submitted to me uh, for this uh, class, what does the Bible say? Not what does the quote Church of Christ says, and hopefully the Church of Christ and the Bible were saying exactly the same thing. That's what we're shooting for. But uh, our objective is always, as, as members of the church, to accurately convey what the Bible teaches about particular topics. Okay. Uh, you just stop, to, I was going to say, let's stop it right there. Yeah. I got a few things. Uh, uh, why don't you go first? Well, there's the, the first thing was respecting each other's sincerity, which I was interested because I think the title of the talk is just a way to grab people's attention. Mm -hmm. He's not saying be militant about it. So it's misleading Bible warfare, you know what I mean, and evangelism. Mm -hmm. But then this whole idea of what does the Bible say, that's, that's a hermeneutical problem. You can't just say the Bible says dot, dot, dot because you're saying what I believe the Bible says, my interpretation is X, you know, and it could be totally different from the church down the street, the believer behind you. So that's, that's a, a red herring right there, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I noted at this point that he is being very diplomatic. This is, this is yeah. a very um, sensitive, person he is aware of the image that you know conservative churches of christ have uh he's aware of some of the problems they've run into and he's trying to say no we're the we're the softer kinder gentler church and you've got to adjust your approach i can tell the audience if you know if you're not familiar with the church and how they do things and how they are kind of seen in places where they're strong um they're they tend to be very brash uh, they tend to be very cocksure of ev everything that they think as far as doctrine, very dogmatic, extremely uh, dogmatic. And so he is talking to this group of people and saying, uh, no, no, don't, don't do that. You've got to actually listen to what people say. You've, you've got to 
care about their opinions and don't just, you know, treat them as if your opinion is the, the only one. You've, you know, he's, he's trying to instill a better approach. But just understand, as you're listening to this, the reason he has to say this type of thing is because that is not how the Church of Christ tends to come across. Uh, with people, right. so he's he's trying to give some corrective instruction uh, yeah. here. But there's so, another issue though, mm-hmm. just before you hit play, and that is the role that the Bible plays in evangelism. So I'm going to be interested to see if he does talk about why do we want to stick to the Bible? If you're a Christian, that's the ultimate authority. That's the inerrant, infallible Word of God. As soon as you stray from the Bible in this model. You're going to be, just like he said, talking about your own opinions. And so the Bible is the ultimate basis, the ultimate authority. Yeah, we've got the same note on that. Um, yeah. The, you know, at the end of the day, the Church of Christ is very much a people of the book. And so, you know, they believe what they believe doctrinally because it says so in a book. They believe what they believe morally because it says so in a book. That is that is the beginning and the end of uh, of of their epistemology, it's it's in the Bible and therefore it's true, and so that places a lot of pressure on you to be able to, uh, as they might say, rightly divide uh, mm-hmm. the word of truth. And so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area there when it's all about the Bible, but you've got different people, different scholars, different schools of thoughts within the Church of Christ all with opinions on what the Bible says. So rather, excuse me, rather than the Bible being a unifying thing, you know, we, all we have to do is just come together and agree with the, you know, just do what's in the Bible. Right. That's what everyone is trying to do. (laughs) That that doesn't actually unify. Yeah. I can remember as an evangelical, I was into apologetics and I felt a desperate drive to learn the Bible, just the content of the Bible, mm-hmm. purely because when I got into a debate with a non-Christian, that was my resource bank. And I think the the sort of implied message he's saying here is you have to know your Bible. And there's a real drive for people to read their Bible, study their Bible, so that when they talk to a non-Christian, they'll have that bank of answers you know, from the Bible. Yeah, the Church of Christ is, um, you know, there are a lot of people with that background who memorize Scripture. They do a lot of mm-hmm. Scripture memorization. It's very, very important to them. Let's um, let's see what else he has to say. This does get interesting-ish. Number three, and be patient, of course. Different people are um, um, are, a diff- are at different points of knowledge and at, uh, and at different points of maturity spiritual maturity. So don't be in a rush. Take time and take the time necessary to teach and encourage, uh, to share. Uh, The world says, you know, where there's life, there's hope. That's what the world says. What we say is that all things are possible with God. It's impossible that my uncle would ever, you know, come around. You know, it's impossible. Well, maybe it's impossible for you to think that your uncle would come around to believing in the scriptures and so on and so forth. But with God, all things are possible. God opens hearts. And this week I'm just going to ask, I'm going to add one more. Don't get discouraged. Don't be totally destroyed if someone rejects your very best intentions and your clearest teaching. 
As I said last week, there are many obstacles that keep people from believing the gospel or accepting a more accurate teaching from God's word. Keep trying with others to share your faith and to share the word. Keep loving your friend or your family member, even if they reject the word. In this way, they will have a constant witness of God's love, even if they reject His truth. And in so doing, you will affirm your own faith before the Lord. Sometimes the objective is not for the person you're teaching, sometimes it's for you. It's for you, you want to, to stop learn it there something. for a second. Uh, one comment I have on this is that the basic presupposition from which he's starting is that we as Christians have the truth. God will open the eyes of the blind, spiritually blind, and we just have to keep trying and trying and trying. But we have the truth, and eventually you're going to get through if you're patient and don't get discouraged. You know, I think the truth is for most Christians, a vast majority of Christians have never ever evangelized anyone. They've never led anyone to the Lord, as it were. I never did as a Christian. I used to teach people how to do evangelism, but I never ever did in over 25 years of being a Christian. You know, so I think there's some stuff going on there that you have to root out the underlying presuppositions. Yeah, I so if the dirty little secret is that no one is good at evangelism. Yeah, and <laughs> no, no one wants to do it. And, and no one wants to do it either. I uh, I've probably converted from scratch maybe 10 people. Uh, hmm. Maybe maybe more than that because um, I did a lot of work with youth camps, which is a very target-rich environment. Um, but I also used to do a lot of door knocking and uh, things like that. So I was... I was as diligent as a Mormon missionary. <laughs> so, uh, it, but I can I can show you for the effort I put into it. You know the the productivity wasn't very good if we're just counting people put in the water. You know from my from from my efforts, nobody is particularly good at it. Nobody wants to do it, and you can have as many evangelism seminars as you want to. It's, it's not going to move the needle. Nobody wants to get out there and knock on the door in their neighborhood with their neighbors and, um, you know, come off like some kind of nut job. Because they know how it sounds. They actually yeah. know how it sounds. They talk about this stuff. Uh, the audience, audience you're going to hear some stuff uh, probably in this that you're not familiar with, that you don't hear spoken out loud. They talk about this stuff at church. They know better than to talk about it yeah. at work or with their neighbors or, you know, with people they actually care about. Well, and think about it. If you're not a Christian, the people that you work with or your relatives who are Christians, they're the ones going to seminars like this. This is why they're constantly harassing and bugging you to become a Christian, because they've been sitting in a seminar like this. And the, this is where it comes from. So the other thing, I don't, I don't know if this is coming up or not. Uh, like I said, I... I only have a very skim uh, knowledge of what's going to happen in the video, so I'm mostly in the same place as you. But it seems like uh, one bullet point that he would put up uh, maybe at the end would be be persistent. Because mm -hmm. this is something that I've heard a lot with, um, with lectures like this. Be persistent, don't give up. So not just don't be discouraged because it didn't work, but go out and do it again and again and again. Be persistent. Um, and 
that sort of thing seems to fly in the face of Jesus' instructions when he sent out the 70 and the 72. Uh, he told them, uh, if they're rejected in a town, they should just leave the town. Uh, shake, shake the dust the off dust. your feet. That's right. That, that, <laughs> that old saying, shake the dust off of your feet. Uh, in other words, don't have any vestige of that town on you. Just get rid of it and move on. Just move on. It, there was no instruction to ever go back and try again. Right? Mm. So, um, Jesus, not a particularly good evangelist, <laughs> I would say. But the instructions that he gave to his evangelists are so very different from instructions that people give today. And if if he comes in with be persistent, I'm not going to stop it, but I'm, I'm just looking for that. Yeah, but maybe in Jesus was right. You know, wait, he said, give them one chance. If they don't listen, go off to the next town. So where's right. all, where's this guy coming up with all this stuff about being patient, stick to it. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. That, that goes against Jesus's clear teaching. Yes. Give it one shot and then piss off. Because it's, it's not you doing the actual work. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work. And yeah. so if you were the one who is belly aching over whether you were successful or not, you, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're the messenger. You deliver the message. You move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. To teach someone else. Okay, so much for the rules of engagement. Let's get down to questions that you asked last week. Uh, as I say, if you didn't have a chance, we've got some of those cards out. You can write some, some more questions and I will, uh, I'll try to uh, answer those before we finish the entire course. Now, I've taught this class before in the past. And in these classes, the questions that I receive, you know, they tend to repeat themselves and they fall into four categories. And so this time's no different. The questions that I've gotten from you so far tend to fall into the same categories. So some of your questions are different, but these are the categories that they fall into nevertheless. Uh, some fall into the doctrinal, they're like doctrinal questions. Now these were the type of questions that required an answer based on what the Bible teaches on a specific issue or on a specific practice. And these were subdivided into other categories. Note that the same doctrinal questions were asked in a variety of ways, but they all require the same answer. For example, a lot of people ask why we use music or why we think that the Church of Christ is the only church to go to heaven. When I say why we use music, why we, use, why we don't use instruments of music in our worship. That question comes back all the time. Uh, in evangelism. So I just want to note that not all churches of Christ are non-instrumental. The vast majority yeah. of them are. But there, ours wasn't. There is a, there is a designation, <clears throat> uh, and you can, you can see it in the phone book sometimes if there's one in your city. It'll say Church of Christ, and then in parentheses, instrumental. Uh, so they're out there. Uh, uh, and they, they fully identify with the Church of Christ and the rest of the doctrines, but they find the instrumental thing to be ridiculous, and so <laughs> they don't uh, abide by that one. So uh, the Church of Christ is known as one of those churches that it does a cappella music only in their, in their services. 
uh, but I just wanted to inform the audience that's not the only flavor. It's the main flavor, but it's not the only flavor of the church. Yeah, ours wasn't. We had piano and organ. Although when I was a kid, I started learning how to play drums and we brought it in one Sunday service and you would have thought that, you know, Satan walked in the back door because <laughs> drums were just frowned upon. But, you know, it's different. But he's already hinted at why do we say that only the Church of Christ saves. So we're going to get into that, I'm sure, as he goes yes. along. Yeah, that's that's the big one. So yeah. he's, he's setting it up. A lot of questions dealt with evangelism. How do we do it better? How do we approach different individuals? Obviously, someone who has a Hindu background versus someone who has a Roman Catholic background, you, there's a big difference there. The Roman Catholic, well, you can begin with the assumption that they believe in one God. You know, Catholics are monotheists like we are, and they're theists, they're not deists. So we have many, many similarities. You know, so there's a lot of things you don't have to teach someone who is a Roman Catholic. Usually with a Roman Catholic, you have to try to you know, get them to accept that the, the sole authority in religious matters, as far as Christianity is concerned, is the Bible. Right? And show them scriptures that teach that idea. But we'll so I, once again, here, I, I appreciate where he's coming from, but it's not quite accurate. Uh, Roman Catholics in particular, they're, they're a lot like Jews. Uh, the vast majority of Jews in the world are atheists. They are not at all religious. And uh, even a minority, uh, only a minority of Jews in Jerusalem are actual practicing Jews religiously. So you, you might think that you know where the starting point is for a Jew, but you do not. You still have to establish what that person believes. Catholicism is very much the same way. Uh, so much so that we have a term for it, lapsed Catholics. A, a lapsed Catholic doesn't necessarily believe in God, they were they were christened when they were a kid. Maybe they were uh, felt pressure into you know con confirmation when they were twelve or so. Um, that doesn't mean that they are Catholic in belief. They might be what we call cultural Catholics. So <clears throat> there's there's a lot of presuppositional thinking uh, with Brother Mazzalongo here, and I just wanted yeah. to point that out. You can't treat someone, you know, as if they were a part of a monolithic group, as if that group didn't have lots of different expressions uh, of, of how people could be in it. Right. And as you say, he's got that base presupposition that says, we in the Church of Christ have the truth, capital T. All other religions, including Catholicism, are wrong. And you've got to find those points of contact, because that's what I would have argued. When I was an evangelical, I took Paul's sermon on Mars Hill in Athens in Acts 17 as my model. And I would look for points of contact with people that I would talk to. I mean, I did engage a lot with people talking about the faith, and I would find where they would where we'd have points of agreement. You know, so he just said that that you, you don't have to convince a Catholic that because they're they're not monotheists. They are. They believe in one God. So you've got that advantage when you talk to a Catholic. You know, I would assume he would say the same about talking to a Jewish person. You don't have to convince them that there's one God. You know what I mean? 
So you've already got those points of contact and that's your way into the conversation. Yeah, this, um, he, 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 he has more. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Bible facts. A couple of questions were the kind that needed an explanation of facts and figures in the Bible, less about ideas, less about doctrines. And then miscellaneous. There are always questions that don't fit any category. You know, why are there so many religions in the, uh, in the world? Or which version of the Bible is the best? You know, so those, you know, they don't kind of fit under doctrine or anything like that. So a lot of miscellaneous questions. So I'm going to do my best to answer all of your questions. Sometimes I'll tackle only one question per lesson, like tonight. And then other times we'll do two or three. One thing that will remain the same from class to class will be that I will answer as best as I can from the Bible and only from the Bible. I will not you know, use any other texts. All right, church questions. I don't know how many people ask this question. Why do you, what do you answer when someone says the church of Christ thinks that they're the only ones going to heaven? I mean, that question is asked I mean, 16 different ways, but it's always the same question. And an interesting thing about this question, I was, uh, I was watching a television one night several years ago, and I was watching the David Letterman show. You know, you, we're all familiar with David Letterman. He had a talk show late at night. And he used to do things in the audience. You know, he'd go in the audience and ask questions or play games or you know, do stuff. And, one, and usually all he asked someone was, uh, uh, you know, where do you come from? What city? You, know, you can do a bit of a shout out to your city. What do you do for a living? You know, what's your name? Where do you come from? And what do you do for a living? And then you know, Letterman would kind of play with that, make jokes, whatever. So one man was there one night and uh, there, he was doing something in the audience and this man stood up and he says, okay, what's your name? You know, I forget, Joe Smith or something like that. Where do you come from? And you know, I come from, I don't know, Montana. And he says, and what do you do? He says, I'm a minister. And I kind of perked up, you know, and I, now I'm really paying attention. And so Letterman, usually he let it go at that. You know, I'm a, I'm a hairdresser, I'm a fireman, yeah, good for you. So he says, I'm a minister. So Letterman says, oh, what denomination? You know, and the, the, the man said, the Church of Christ. And Letterman says, oh, you're the guys who think you're the only ones going to heaven. <laughs> I mean, I was flabbergasted. You know, you thought that this was just something that was floating around it. Letterman, of all people, you're not a religious man to begin with, but his impression of us, well, oh, you're, you're the guys who think you're the only ones going to, to heaven. Yeah. So uh, at this point, I think that I will uh, just do a brief poll and uh, also a brief explainer. This belief is in fact fundamental to the Southern-based mainstream Church of Christ. That said, Clint was not from that lineage. It was from a different lineage of Churches of Christ that were way to the left, I would say. So, um, <laughs> yeah, for Clint's You're saying we're of, liberals, David? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I, I tried to avoid the L word, but there you are. Um, Damn. The uh, the churches that I attended, 
would have disfellowshipped the churches that Clint would have attended. But let me just let me just confirm this, um, Clint. Did your church believe that the Church of Christ denomination was the only church that was going to heaven? I never heard anyone say that when I grew up. I grew up in it from day one. I never heard any preacher say, we in this Church of Christ are the only ones going to heaven. You know, Baptists or Presbyterians or Catholics are going to hell. Yeah, I never heard that. Yeah, you would be what real Church of Christ people would say uh, is a Church of Christ member in name only. Hmm. Uh, that it, you would not be allowed to make the opening prayer <laughs> or the closing benediction. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have stories about that too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I just, I just wanted to highlight this right here. So what Mazzalongo is going over, the reason he's saying it is because that is the mainstream view. The reason David Letterman knows it is because it's the mainstream view. I doubt that David Letterman, Letterman would know about, say, Churches of Christ that also used instruments because it's a, it's a small fraction of the, of the bigger whole. Um, so this might be new to you, listeners. I assure you, there are about two million people out there who would say, yeah, we're the only ones going to heaven. Mike? Yeah, exactly. So we're not the only ones that ask that question. Now, there's no easy one-word answer that, you know, can completely answer this question. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, just stop it. This is, this really pissed me off when I was scrubbing through this thing. Um, yes, there is an easy one-word answer because you know exactly what the person is asking you. You know exactly what they're trying to get at. And, and the answer is yes or no. It, it really is. The, the only reason he would say that there's no easy answer is because there's no diplomatic answer. There's no easy one-word diplomatic answer. And we've established that he is trying to be diplomatic. Well, what, why doesn't he just say there are some within the Church of Christ who do believe that they are the only true church and they're only going to heaven? while others disagree. He's not being intellectually honest, is he? No, uh, he's, he's not. Um, you, it's easy to answer this question. I could have answered this question for every church that I ever attended, whether it was Church of Christ or not. I knew the answer to this question. He knows the answer to this question. He knows where the question is coming from. He knows the Church of Christ history. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's see how, in fact, he gets around to this. Believe it or not, Actually, I don't know his ultimate answer, <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's find out together. Because it's loaded with so many different meanings. For example, if the question means, is only the church that is in the Bible, the one spoken of by Peter, you know, the 3,000 that were baptized at Pentecost, and the church spoken of by Paul when he's addressing Corinth and Ephesus, if the question is that church there in the Bible, is that church the only one going to heaven? The answer is, well, yes. If, however, the question is 
uh, does the Bible uh, teach that there is only one church and is that the only church that is going to go to heaven? The answer to that question is, well, yes. Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 4 that there is only one body, the church, and only one body that belongs to Christ and only the body of Christ is going to be saved. It's very clear in the New Testament. As opposed to the body of Buddha, or the body of Muhammad, or the body of Krishna. So it's not what the quote religious leaders teach, it's what the Bible teaches. Very clear. Okay, this is still a non-answer because every Christian, no matter what their flavor, believes that they are a part of the body of Christ. So he's, he's still mm -hmm. circling around the answer to this question. Let's see if he ever lands. And I've said this before, a person doesn't have to believe it. You're free not to believe that. You're free to reject that if you wish. You're free to laugh at it and just you know, deep six it if you wish. The thing that you cannot do is you cannot say that the Bible doesn't teach that only the church is going to heaven. You don't have to accept it, but you have to acknowledge that that's what the Bible teaches. So we're not in trouble as far as if you're saying, you know, does the Bible teach that only the, the, the body of Christ is the only one that's going to be saved? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what the Bible teaches. But this question doesn't usually refer to what the Bible says about the church. It is a response to a certain aggressive attitude that existed in the churches of Christ in the past, and even among some today, that said the following. Among those who call Jesus the Christ, among those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, only those among the churches of Christ will go to heaven. That's what that question is aiming at. So the conclusion drawn from this position was that, well, if you were a Baptist or you were a Methodist or a Catholic or whatever, quote, Christian group other than the church of Christ, you were lost. You Correct, and that is still the mainline view as near as I can tell. But um, that, is a, that is an accurate statement of the view. Right, so at least he's being honest and admitting this is an issue. Yes, yes. It sounds like he's going to come out against it. But let's see if we can actually figure out <laughs> where he comes you out. You are lost. That's what that question is asking. And I know this is a, you know, I told you, <laughs> we're going to tackle some tough ones in here. And this is the toughest one. No, it's not. Because you can't just come back and just a, a one word answer. Yes, you one can. One scripture, boom, that's it. Wouldn't it be nice? Ephesians 4.4, there's only one body. Okay, next question. Well, that's not what they're asking. Hmm. So this position was offensive and it was hard to take. And it spawned the question and attitude toward churches of Christ by other groups who were also calling themselves Christians, 
And we're also trying to serve the Lord you know, sincerely. Remember I said one of the key things in a Bible study with someone? You have to accept that they are sincere about their beliefs just as you are sincere about your beliefs. So when this thing came up, only the people who call on Jesus who belong to the Church of Christ group, only those believers are going to heaven. Everybody else is going to hell. So the problem here is that the people in the churches of Christ who promoted this idea, they broke all the rules of engagement in discussing their faith with other people. First, they were not respectful of others' sincere belief in Jesus, like people who are Baptists or Catholics. Okay, we, we used to have a saying about this sincerity thing. Yes, I, be, I believe that uh, people are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Um, so that's really how we would address sincerity. Uh, it, it was hmm. very dismissive, very offensive, I, I know, but we, it was very important to not give anyone points for sincerity. Uh, because God required more than sincerity, He required obedience. And so yeah. if, if you were sincere, but not ultimately obeying God, you're in the same position as a person who's not sincere. So sincerity really didn't count for much. For, for Yeah, you can be sincerely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and it's it's interesting. Oh, I was going to say before you hit play, where is he going with this whole thing? Because that explanation leading up to this, my head was spinning. I didn't understand what he was even getting at. Talking about that, oh, the church in the Bible is going to heaven. It, it didn't make any sense. And I think he's going to say that people who held to the belief that only the Church of Christ could go to heaven, they were being disrespectful. And whether or not it's true, I'm going to be interested to see where he goes with it. Yeah, it's it's funny that we've we're this far into his explanation and we still don't know where he stands. No idea. Where I come from in, in Quebec, Montreal, you know, French Canada, when I went to school, in grade school here in in, in America in the '50s, let's say. The heroes, who were the heroes? Well, they were the pioneers, right? Or George Washington, or you know, these, these people were the heroes of history. A little different now, we won't get into the political correctness that's going on today, but I think most of you understand the heroes that were taught back in the day, in the 50s. When I went to school in Canada, you know who the heroes were that they taught us? The Catholic missionaries the Catholic missionaries that came from France, who came to Quebec and tried to convert the, well, we don't call them Native Americans. In, in Canada, we call them First Nations, but it's the same thing. They try to convert the Indians. And many of them lost their lives. They were burned at the stake. They were you know, scalped, they were killed. You know, the brothers, you know, missionary brothers, sisters, nuns that came. It was the nuns that established the first hospitals in Quebec, that ran the hospitals. It was the Catholic Church that ran all the orphanages, all the hospitals, all the social services up until about 1960 were all done and run through 
the Catholic Church, the nurses were Catholic, the, you know. So if you're having a study with a Catholic person and you say to them, oh yeah, yeah, you people are going to hell. <laughs> Could you imagine how offensive it is? And so they openly criticized and ridiculed other religious groups and accused them of ignorance and being insincere. I mean, I know I was on the receiving end of some of this. They used public debates and books and periodicals to denounce the doctrines of other uh, believing groups. And most of their doctrinal points were correct. Hey, they were correct. Is baptism by immersion? You bet it is. How, we can prove it. We can prove it you know, linguistically, historically, contextually, in the Greek. In the, you know, we can prove it 50 ways till Sunday. We were correct. It was the attitude that was so you know, difficult. So most of the doctrinal points that were being made were correct. The biblical arguments were accurate, but the spirit was arrogant and combative. And so they won the battle but lost the war and gained a reputation which has crystallized by this phrase. Oh, oh, the Church of Christ, you think you're the only ones going to heaven. How do you think you get a reputation like that? So this phrase then is not a question. It's a summary statement of our mistaken approach in the past and it's a put down at the same time. When somebody says that to you, I'm just cluing you in, you're being insulted. <laughs> it's not a nice thing to say that to us. We also broke rule number two in reaching out to others. Instead of keeping... He's still talking about methodology. Mm -hmm. um, and he still hasn't answered mm -hmm. the question. I'm starting I to get nervous. I was thinking. <laughs> So. Yeah, he still hasn't said, were they right to believe that we are the only church that goes to heaven? Or right. were they wrong? He, he still has not said that. He's like, he said yeah, they were right about other wrong. things. Uh, yeah, but he hasn't. Exactly. And, and their doctrine was correct. I notice he uses the term like they and them to yeah. describe. And this is what he's, they did. What he's describing, though is the mainstream Church of Christ. <laughs> so I'm sorry, he, he's actually the minority, but he's talking about them and they as if they were some distant minority. It's kind of like when you talk to a progressive Christian like uh, Thomas Ord or Mark Karras, one of them, if they were to pretend like they were the majority and you know those, those other people, you know, mainline Christendom, um, you know, were the, the other group. Um, so I'm, I just, I, my antennae are up <laughs> right now yeah. and, um, the audience may or may not believe me. I still don't know where this guy's going. Keeping the discussion. If, if you, oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, it's okay. I was going to say he still hasn't addressed that issue and that's like the elephant in the room, apparently. According to him, it's I mean, the main if topic. I was sitting in the audience, yeah, if I was sitting in the audience, I'd be thinking, dude, when are we going to get to the actual evangelism training? You got to tell me how I'm supposed to evangelize my friends, family, neighbors. This is like a recitation of past history where we made a bunch of mistakes. 
You gotta, you gotta wonder why he's tiptoeing around it like this. Strictly on what the Bible taught on various issues of salvation, many times we made it personal. It became the Church of Christ versus the Baptist, the Church of Christ versus Roman Catholics, the Church of Christ doctrine versus the Methodist doctrine. You know, there was a time when we addressed, uh, when we adhered uh, to the motto that said, we speak where the Bible speaks and we are silent where the Bible is silent. That, that was a great <laughs> way to approach things. Speak where the Bible speaks, silent where the Bible is silent. We forgot that piece of wisdom and we began battling others, pitting the church of Christ against all comers and we gained the reputation for it. Again, we won the arguments. Why? Because we were the Bible people, we knew the book. But the attitude, oof, the attitude had a, you know, had a lot to, uh, to do with, with getting this reputation. And also we were impatient. I'm not saying everybody, you, you understand that. I'm just saying you know, to, to arrive at a point where a, 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 a comedian on a late night talk show in New York City randomly picks out of the air this thought when he hears the Church of Christ must mean that, yeah, this thing has absorbed into the, the subconsciousness of the, uh, of the public. So we were also impatient to convert others, thinking that intellectual conversion was the same thing as the conversion of the spirit and of the heart. We began breaking the gospel down into a formula that could be explained and memorized in five easy steps. I, I, how many times have I heard people say this? Preach it even. Here's the gospel, here's the gospel. You hear the good news, you believe the good news, you repent of your sins, you confess Christ, and then you're baptized. There you go, I've just preached the gospel to you. Have you really? If people got this information and they understood it in our way of thinking, but they didn't follow through right away with baptism, well, we just discarded them and we moved on. The problem was that we preached the, the formula for the response to the gospel as the actual message itself. That we hear the gospel and that we believe it and that we repent of our sins and that we confess Christ and that we are baptized, we are immersed in water in the name of Jesus, okay? That is the response to the gospel. That is not the gospel. If all you've done is explain the five steps, you have not preached the gospel to that person. You've only, you've given him, you've given that person how they are to respond to the gospel. The plan of salvation the plan of salvation was that God sent His Son to die for the sins of man and thus offer us forgiveness based on faith, not works. The response of faith was expressed, how? Through repentance, confession, and baptism. What's God's plan of salvation? His plan is, I'm going to save you, not through a system of works, 
I'm going to save you through a system of faith. That's the good news. You could never, ever be good enough to be saved. You could never do enough works to justify your salvation. So here, what God says, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to send my son to pay the moral debt for your sins, all of them, and you will receive forgiveness if you believe and trust in my son. Okay, um, since he is still meandering toward yeah. uh, the main topic, uh, let's, let's just pause for a moment to meet him uh, where he is. So he talked about the five <laughs> steps of uh, salvation. This is also a very mainline uh, teaching. It, it, there's history uh, behind it, but uh, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. This is, um, this is a kind of a mantra for the church. And so if you do this, then you will be in a saved position before God. Uh, the thing that I find interesting here is the kind of this debate, this quiet debate within the churches of Christ and other churches similar to it, saved by grace through faith alone. Yet, you also need to confess your sins and be baptized. You need to repent and confess and be mm -hmm. baptized. Repentance is an action. It's a, it's a work. It, it's something that you literally have to work at <laughs> to, to change your mind and change your orientation towards sin. Confession is a thing that you say. It is literally a work of your mouth as well as your heart, but it, it is a thing that you outwardly do. Baptism is a work. There's no baptism within your heart. It's getting in a pool and being immersed underwater. It's a work. And they would say mm -hmm. that without these works, you are not saved. And so there's, there's just this um, tug of war. Saved by faith? Yes. Without works? Yes. So can we go without these works? No. Otherwise you won't be saved. This yeah. is this is a thing that um, other denominations struggle with too. I have never heard a good resolution from churches that, that have, you know, steps that you need to complete to be saved. Because they will all yeah. say saved by grace. And not and by yet, works. Yeah. And, and yet they Christ, demand works. Yeah. And they teach baptismal regeneration. That was the tradition I was raised in. I don't know about you, David. Yes. But it was, baptism was the actual work that saved you. When I went to my pastor when I was 10, I said, I want to become a Christian. What do I have to do? He said, get baptized. And that was the, the salvific act, as we would say back in the day. You know, yeah, and because the blood the is issue. the blood is in the water, and to con yeah. coming in contact with the blood of Christ is uh, to be baptized, and then you have this kind of magical, almost transfiguration <clears throat> of water. Um, we wouldn't use a word like trans 
transfiguration, but it's very much uh, like the way that Catholics view transubstantiation. Um, so you, this is where you come in contact with the blood of Christ and are cleansed of your sins. And without that baptism, you're not cleansed of your sins. Yeah. And notice, too, all through those bullet points, he still maintains that presupposition. He said something like, they won the arguments, but lost the dot, dot, dot. So they won the battle, but lost the war. So they were still correct in what their theological assumptions were and their doctrinal position, but the way they went about it was wrong. Like you said, the methodology was wrong. But he's not said their doctrine was wrong. Their theology was wrong. It was incorrect. He hasn't said that yet. And so the wait continues. And the way that you are to express that faith in him, you will repent of your sins and be baptized. Okay, there you have the gospel and the response to the gospel. But what we were doing was we were just given the response to the gospel. Not always, but I saw a billboard with that. I saw a billboard with that. Spent a lot of money on that billboard and it was Here's how to be saved, one, two, three, four, five. Never mentioned Jesus, never mentioned the cross, never mentioned grace, faith, nothing. Just do these five things, bang, you're saved. And then to make matters worse, we practiced a scorched earth policy of evangelism which reached its zenith with the Crossroads Boston International Church Movement that gave us some more bad publicity. Some of you may not be familiar with that. So just a brief note, uh, you can look up the Boston Church uh, or Boston Church of Christ to get familiar with that particular culty branch of the Church of Christ. This is, this is a branch of the Church of Christ that mainline Church of Christ people called a cult. <laughs> <laughs> so. mm. But the thing is, he could be a Mormon talking about past mistakes that the Mormons have made. You know, why does it have to be Church of Christ? It's, a, it's an image thing, isn't he saying? Well, he could be a Mormon saying, you know, we used to practice polygamy and some other horrible things, but we're not like that anymore. We're, we're, we've changed. We're better now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Huh. I'm, I'm almost tempted to place a bet on what I think he thinks. But it's such a toss-up. <laughs> I don't even want to lose internet points on that bet. <laughs> they were the ones in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they would infiltrate and divide churches in order to take them over. They were the natural outcome of this brash attitude of only we are saved mentality because they taught that if you weren't part of their discipleship movement, you were not saved. So, so the irony of it is, so we've, we've done this thing, you know, we've done this, uh, this uh, you know, uh, aggressive evangelism, you know, fighting with everybody, we're the only ones saved, and then comes along these young college students who form a church and whose only goal is to baptize people. <laughs> 
That's it, that's all they do, baptize people. And they are super good at it. They are super good at arguing and debating. And I mean, they're like, the, they're like stormtroopers. You're evangelical storm, evangelistic rather, stormtroopers. And their churches are growing in size and they would go into a church. I know, they came to Montreal. They would go into a church like this, everything would be fine. Then all of a sudden they'd be saying, how many people have you baptized this year? To a member, not to, to how many people, how many people you baptize? Well, I, I haven't baptized any. Well, do you think you're a good Christian? Well, I, I, I thought I was, you know. Well, exactly how were you baptized? And what were you, in other words, they begin to make people doubt their own salvation. So I'm going to just pause here and ask, uh, because we're just over halfway, would you like to pick this up the next time and see if we get an answer to the question or would you like to look i've got all day um but you are a man with a life and a phd That's true. uh so i will um i will give you the offer right now to stop now and do the rest of this next time or we can motor on and see the I exciting conclusion Depends on how, how long you want to wait. Same time next week. <laughs> we could do same time next week. I'm interested to see where he's going with this. I Well, so I'm interested to see where he's going with it too. I honestly, <laughs> and I'm here's the thing. I'm afraid that if I stop the show right now and just put this out as a part one, I'm going to go and watch this video. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I Look, can't wait for another week. If, if you've got if you've got some time i Let's i vow going. i vow to not interrupt unless it's absolutely necessary okay i Let gotta, the man speak i gotta know what mike mazzalenko is gonna Let's say keep here. going <laughs> and there would Let's be a division and and then they would kind of you know gather up a, a group usually the young people and pull them out start a church and away we go and so the the, the irony of it is a group within the Church of Christ began to tell members of the Church of Christ, you people are not saved unless you're part of our group. I mean, I had somebody say that to me after like 20 years of ministry, <laughs> try that bit on me to make me think, oh, I, I'm not really saved and I'm not really part of the church. You know, well, you know, that didn't go far. So what goes around came around to us. And thankfully, thankfully, we survived it. That group repented, public repentance, and tried to fix things, but not after so many churches were hurt and so many people, their faith was damaged and our reputation was damaged. I'm not saying the Church of Christ has a bad reputation everywhere. We have a good reputation, but we're known as the Bible people. Well, after a while, you couldn't get a Church of Christ um, campus minister to work on a campus because the, the universities were afraid of this group because they caused so many, so many problems on different campuses. So that's some of the history and background behind this question. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking the church. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, to, to you know, 
smear our reputation. I'm just trying to explain, how did we get here? How did people get this idea of us? Well, this is how they got this idea of us, okay? At least now you know where the question is coming from. So how do we, how do we answer? Well, depending on the circumstances, you know, whether you have a lot of time or whether the person asking has some biblical knowledge, <laughs> there are several ways to respond to, you're the church who thinks you're the only ones going to heaven. Okay, how do you respond? Number one, no. We believe that the only the church described in the Bible is the one going to heaven with Jesus. That's what we believe. We believe that only the church that is described in the Bible, that's the one that is going to be saved. 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and who are they? The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Has he described 15 different groups here? No, no. The Christians who are dead and the Christians who are alive when he comes, those will be together and those will be saved. He doesn't mention 15 different groups, just one group, the ones who are alive and the ones who are dead will be joined together to be with him forever in the air. This is what the Bible teaches, and I believe what the Bible teaches. So that's the first part of my answer. Number two, only Christians are going to heaven because only Christians are saved. That's Acts chapter four, verse 12. Peter says, and they're in salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. I mean, can you twist this to mean that somebody other than Christians can be saved? Is there any grammar trick that you can use to contort this verse, to make it mean that not only Christians will be saved, but Buddhists will be saved, and Hindus will be saved, and, and Muslims who are nice people will be saved? or people who don't believe in God, but are fine, upstanding citizens, they'll be saved. I mean, and there is salvation in no one else. Kind of eliminates everybody, doesn't it? Again, yeah, you don't have to I'm believe pause it that. real quick. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. I know we said we'd let the man work, but the, he still hasn't addressed the question, <laughs> who's a genuine Christian? That, that's the immediate problem, isn't it? Right because now, every, he has not I'm said so anything. He hasn't <laughs> said anything that ninety percent of all Christians would agree yeah. with. Uh, wouldn't agree with. So they. Uh, um, now I say ninety percent because there's a certain percentage of Christians who would say, actually, you know, the good atheists they they could also be saved. There's an avenue for them, or the 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 sincere. Hindu, uh, you know, the, the good Muslim, uh, there, there's an avenue for them. In fact, I think this Pope has uh, made some, uh, the current Pope, uh, Francis, has, has made some statements along those lines. But largely, what he is saying is uncontroversial so far and does not 
speak to the question at all. He is simply saying Christianity is exclusive. He has not yet drilled down to the question of, but what about Christian subgroups? I know it's coming. Yeah. I know it's coming. Here, here it is. It's right around the corner. Live your life according <laughs> to this. But what you cannot do is say that this here is teaching that everybody will be saved or all religions are all as good as, uh, you know, everyone as good as uh, another. No, no, it says there's only one name by which we can be saved. And of course, it's Jesus. I mean, if you read the verse before and after, you see it. it's Jesus. I remember uh, having a Bible study with a, a couple that lived near our house when we were in Montreal. They invited us for supper. I think our kids played together. I think it was one of Julia's friends. And we went over. And what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a minister. Oh boy, I tell you, here we go. The minute they knew that I was a minister, you know, we couldn't just have coffee. And, no, 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 we got into it. Church, and then Church of Christ. Well, in Montreal, it's not like the Bible Belt. Church of Christ, what is that? You know, I explained it. And so the guy, of course, he was going to teach me now. You know, he, was, he was an engineer, but he was going to teach me the Bible. Okay, sure, go ahead and try. You know, and he asked me a question. All of a sudden, you know, I, I, I brought him to this verse. You know, and he read it. And he says, wait a minute now. Are you saying that the millions of Buddhists that live in this world are lost? And I said, uh, yeah. And I mean, he was aghast. How can you say that, he said to me. I said, I didn't say that. I'm just telling you that's what this says. And he looked at it again. And so there was only two ways for him to go. He, could, he wasn't mad at me. I was just pointing him to the book. Only two ways to go for him. He was either going to reject it or accept it. And he rejected it. He says, well, I just, uh, that's not what we believe in our church. Okay. And somehow, somehow the evening was over. <laughs> you know, I mean, where do you go after that? More coffee, anyone? No, I'll have a gin and tonic, please. Sweet. Oh my I God. I, will. I didn't have a gin and tonic. <laughs> I need a gin and tonic. So in the churches of Christ, we do not say that we're the only Christians. What we say is that we only want to be Christians according to the Bible. That's all I want. I just want to be. You know the kind of Christian they describe here? That's the kind of Christian I want to be. And we'll let God decide in the end. He'll decide if I made it or not. Not you, you're not going to decide for me. I'm not even going to decide for me. I'll let him decide for me. So we know that Christians are going to heaven. And that's what we are striving to be, Christians. Nothing more, nothing less. Why? Because the Bible says, and there is salvation in no one else. And we believe that. It's not that we have anything against our Buddhist friends and our, our, our you know, other religions. We're not against them. We're not, we're not wanting harm or suffering for them. I'm not responsible for their souls. I'm just responsible for my soul. 
Now I'm responsible for trying to preach to them, okay, fine. But in the end, I'm not responsible for the yes or no of their soul, I'm just responsible for the yes or no of my soul. Number three, the Bible teaches that not all who call themselves Christians will be saved. This is where we get into sticky, you know. Yeah, this is, this is, yes. you know. That was my point earlier. You know, Who's a I, true Christian? Exactly. I need, I need to know who the true Scotsmen are <laughs> because this is where this all uh, lives. So yes, Christians, yes only Christians, so we have that level of exclusivity. But who then is the true Christian? How do we define that? And if he defines true Christian as, well, you know, the person who obeys the doctrines of Scripture and then calls it a day, I am going to slap a picture of his face. <laughs> I can, this is this is not cool because we don't have much more of this video and I've got a really bad feeling that it is not going to end well. Situation. Yeah, but wait Matthew a minute. Seven. He, he just provided himself an escape clause. If you remember a minute ago, he said something to the effect that it's God who is ultimately going to decide who gets into heaven or not. If you, call, you can call yourself a Christian. So then he's he's got a dodge right built in there. He's saying... It's not my place to say you're not a Christian and I am a true Christian. It's God's you know, place to decide that. But now he's going to bring up Matthew 7. So I'm interested to see if he's going to say it's up to us to try to figure out who's a true Christian or not. Or by their actions. We'll see what he says. I'm, I'm just, I feel my blood boiling right now. 21. <laughs> not, this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Stop there. Do you mean to say that Jesus here is saying that not everybody who claims to believe in Him will go to heaven? Well, yeah, that's exactly what He's saying. What does He say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. You don't call Him Lord, Lord if you don't you know, believe in Him. Well, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say that. The Church of Christ didn't say that. Jesus said that. So go beat me up if I'm, you know, if I'm clarifying the passage for you. But I didn't write the passage. I'm just trying to explain it. And then what does Jesus say? But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Well, where is the will of the Father located? Right here. Many, he said, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Whoa, prophecy? You mean even preachers not going to get in? Some preachers are not going to get in? Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? You know how many people think that because they speak in tongues, they're guaranteed entry into heaven? Do you know why it's so difficult to, to convert or to, 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 to teach you know, more perfectly a person who's caught up in the charismatic movement? Because the charismatic movement teaches that the, um, the proof of your salvation is the fact that you can speak in tongues. 
So when you come along and say, yeah, I see what you're doing, yeah, that's not speaking in tongues. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's not speaking in tongues. What do you mean? You show them, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in another thing. They, they, they can't let that thing go, why? Because it's their crutch. Every time they're not sure, you know, uh, am I saved or not, instead of looking in the Bible to find assurance, no, they go, you know, oh yeah. Okay, first of all, this guy speaks in tongues better than a lot of actual <laughs> tongue speakers. So tongue speakers. Hats off for uh, him for that. But I just wanted to um, highlight this particular passage in Matthew. It's, uh, I, I think he is right in one respect this is the scariest passage in the whole bible uh mm -hmm. for for my money because what this passage says is you can live your entire life thinking that you are pleasing god and even thinking acting that as you it. yeah you're, you think you're on the right track been doing it and only at the very end does god say nah sucker get out of here yeah. You know, I never you, knew you. You have no way of knowing that before. So what are the ways that people think that they're okay? Because they are exercising gifts that only come from God. Notice uh, in this passage, it doesn't say anything about speaking in tongues. Uh, it mentions casting out demons. The only people who could cast out demons, according to Jesus were people doing it by the power of God because demons can't cast out demons. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, and so Jesus kind of makes this point in, a, in another place. So, you know, you can't say that I'm doing this by the power of demons. It must be by the power of God. So his logic goes. And so in this passage, he is saying that people who have this power that can only come from God, even they are not safe because it doesn't necessarily mean that just because they're exercising genuine magic doesn't mean mm. that God is on their side. And, you know, for me, if you've got a thing that can only be done by God's power, like, say, casting out a demon or something even more visceral, raising the dead, if I can raise dead people, and, and I am saying i i'm getting this power from god i can and, and i'm giving god the glory i'm i'm feeling pretty secure about yeah, my you position. might not be a christian yep. and yet and yet jesus says yeah no uh, uh and so you know you're you're clearly you know if you're this person at the gate you're not doing the will of god what yeah. First, you know, first of all, I'm not doing the will of God and you never knew. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tap me on the shoulder like you did uh, Philip uh, and uh, and direct me in the right path? I was obviously sincere. I was obviously looking to you, praying to you, studying my Bible. And you tell me now when there's no chance that you never knew me. Yeah, I got to I got to ask Christians what's the freaking point what are you yep. doing because it might all be in vain yeah. and you'll and like you say you would not know until the final judgment and it's yeah. too late god, god is playing well, and, this game where he might even be yeah. giving you magical powers yeah. and you're still not well, in. And, yeah and it's worth mentioning he goes on this riff about tongue speaking i don't know about your denomination but 
in our Church of Christ, we were we were a cessationist church, yep. which means that we believe that all gifts like prophecy, miracles, and tongues had ceased at the end of the first century. So what he's saying, in, in effect, is this is what I was talking about earlier, these presuppositions. He believes that the Church of Christ has the correct doctrine, and part of that doctrine is, as he just says, those Christians who are speaking in tongues aren't real Christians, and you have to educate them with, as he says, further knowledge, take them deeper into the Bible and show them that what they're doing is, is just babbling. They're not, it's not real. It's not real. The gift of tongues isn't real, you know? So there's another presupposition that's operating here. Yep. And this is, this is where the devil in the details lives in, in mm -hmm. this, in this place right here. So he's made all of these statements that sounds like he's saying, yeah, no, uh, all Christian denominations are, are, right, is very inclusive, but he's, you've got to look at the fine print. Not all people who think they're Christians are saved, and only the people who do the will of the Father, now we get to circle in on, is your church doing the will of the Father? Uh, right, so this is, this is kind of where all of this hides. I've I'm pretty sure he's not coming down uh, hard on any side of this, but he's we've only got a few more minutes. So um, <laughs> if if we can't speak to the point that he said this topic was on, at, at least we've gotten some conversation in other places. <laughs> I can still do that. Let's I'm saying. There he concludes. I mean, it's diabolic. Okay. I, I'm sorry. He just said it himself. It's diabolical. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So charismatic Christians. Your God is diabolical. Yeah. What, what, what are you doing? So I'm going to make a reverse altar call right now. Get out. <laughs> and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The Bible itself, Jesus himself says that there will be some who call themselves Christians, those who will do great things in His name, from miracles to various ministries. Those who will prophesy or preach in His name, who will not enter the kingdom. He said that. And why will they not enter? Because they don't obey the will of the Father, which is contained in Jesus' word. What does He say? I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. John chapter 8, verse 28. And then in John 12, 50, he says, I know that His commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So where is the will of the Father? Well, they're in the words and teachings of Jesus. And what did Jesus say? after he gives the commission to go and preach the gospel and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the belief, what does he say? Teaching them, who's the them, the new converts, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo, I'm with you always till the end of the age. The task of the Christian is to obey all things that Jesus has taught and teach others to do the same. You know, religion in His name not done according to His will and word will not be blessed or accepted. That's the hard lesson. The hard lesson is 
there are sincere people who sincerely believe, but who are not obeying what Jesus taught. That's a very hard teaching. You know how, you know when Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you know, or you can't be with me, and, and oh, you know, the, Bible, the, the, the gospel writer said after, that was a hard saying. The people said to him, that's a hard saying. And many of them you know, didn't follow him after that. Oh, well, you're, you've gone a step too far here. Well, you know what? This right here, this is a hard saying. This lesson here tonight, this is a hard lesson. Why? Because it, 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 it puts a line in the sand. And in our country, we don't believe anymore in lines in the sand. We believe everybody's okay on their terms, whatever you want, anything goes, let's go, Everybody, everybody's invited to the party. Well, no, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately, I mean, you know, like I say, it'd be a lot easier to preach the gospel if you could say, you know what, believe whatever you want. As long as you're a nice person, we're all going to go to heaven. Well, yeah, sure, no. And you know why that doesn't work? I'm deviating from the notes. That doesn't work because we have no idea how sinful we are. We have no idea the depth of our depravity. We have no idea. That's why just be nice and you'll be okay. That's why we need the cross of Christ. I think the worst thing at judgment is when we <laughs> step up thinking, yeah, I'm good, I've been a nice person, you know, I never killed anybody, I've been a faithful wife, husband, whatever, and then we come before God and realize the depth of our sinfulness. Okay, uh, so we're inside of the last three minutes. I, I want you to place your bet right now. P place your wow. bet right now. Um, How much are we betting? We're betting three virtual points. I thought we were going to bet our eternal salvation. Oh, no. That I've would already, have been something. I've already bet that. <laughs> so, I've already lost that. Yeah, so um, I, 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 will, I will go ahead and sack up and go first. I think he is a Church of Christ only guy. I don't hmm. know this. I think, I think that's where this whole sermon is leading uh, because he's, he's just given us the the devil the the devil detail which is mm -hmm. uh not all uh good people are going to be saved not all religious people are going to be saved not all christian uh people in in christian churches uh who've gone through the motions and who have the power of god are going to be saved the only people that are going to be saved are those people who do everything according to the instructions of jesus and you know what? Some of those instructions that are in the Bible from his position are how you worship and what kind of uh, denominational structure you should have and what name your church should wear and things like that. In other words, yes, you have to be a member of the Church of Christ because we're doing all of that. And he would probably say, if 
there are other groups who are doing that too, then they're okay too. But that's just a theoretical smokescreen because they don't really think there are other groups doing that. So that's that's kind of where he seems like he is. I'm putting my my three virtual points down on that. Where do you stand, sir? Yeah, he has said it in so many words. I was thinking when he was talking about the tongues as an example, like you said, he set it up. He said, very inclusive. Here's a couple of verses. Every Christian that's part of the true church that's described in the Bible will go to heaven. Okay, so if you're a Christian, you're a charismatic, you're a Baptist, you're a Methodist, you're a Church of Christ, at the final trumpet, you're going to heaven. But then he turned around and said, well, let me give an example of someone who is not a true Christian, a charismatic Christian. Now, I went to a church here in the UK and they taught the exact opposite of what he just said, which is why my point was it was a hermeneutical distinction. So, for example, they taught that if you that you were a true Christian when you spoke in tongues. That was, as he said before, that was the sign of your salvation. Now, my argument with them was I don't have the gift of tongues. As I read Paul, tongues is but one gift of many gifts. Some people have it, some don't. Others have other gifts. So I went to bat with them and I, I argued my point, you know, but his example is basically what you just said. If you're a church of Christ and you're a cessationist, that's that's the true gospel. And that's what a true Christian does. You know, so I'm, I'm more in agreement with you. I'm going to put my three points in the same basket, I think. <laughs> OK, and, and even then we still might lose him because he still has not been clear. Uh, no. Listeners, listeners, I'm just going to. Uh, you can play the game with me, but you have to be honest. You have to be honest, <laughs> listeners. Right now, we've listened to all but you know the last three minutes, two and a half minutes of this of this thing. Where do you think he stands? What is your position? Pause now. Write it in the comments, and let's find out together. That's why the Son of God had to die on a cross for us. There was no other way. There is no other way. So in the end, who is a Christian and who is not? Who is saved and who is not? Who is going to heaven and who is not? Is all based on God's word. Not on what churches of Christ say or what any other group says. One more. Jesus himself says, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him what does he say? The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. You know, you want to know what's on the final exam? It's right here. And so to summarize, when someone says, oh, you're the church that thinks they're the only ones going to heaven, I begin by apologizing. I apologize for the person or the persons who gave you this false impression. That's never been what the churches of Christ have ever been about, never. Mm. I then inform them that God's word is the final judge of who will go to heaven and who will not. And if you want to study, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take your religion or your ideas or your church and we're going to compare them to God's word, not to the church of Christ's, you know, traditions or whatever we do. No, no, no. We're going to take what you've got and we're going to compare it to God's word. And that, that's how our discussion will proceed.
Number three, in addition to this, I'll assure them that in the church of Christ, our number one priority is to search the scriptures carefully to make sure that we are understanding and obeying as closely as possible the things that Christ taught. And you might put in brackets there, that's why we have Bible study Sunday morning at 9.30 and a sermon lesson at 10.30 and another Bible lesson at 5 p.m. and another Bible lesson at seven o'clock on Wednesday night and devos, that's why, that's why we do this. And finally, I ask them if there is any question or subject they'd like to study the Bible about and see if I can invite them to Bible school and worship. Remember, respect the person, stick to the Bible, be persistent. This brings me to a, one more important point I want to make before we go on answering other questions. Every question will always be answered with the same approach. One more slide here. We're going to put it into context, the issue, the doctrine, the church, the salvation, and then that question will be answered according to what I believe the Bible teaches about that particular topic. That's how this class is going to run. Okay, now we're done. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Okay. Um, look, I've done uh, longer shows. Uh, I, I like to keep the shows the sermons within about 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, but uh, I, I went with this one because I, I really thought that it would be content rich. And so I'm going to take his advice that he gave at the end and apologize to the listener <laughs> because you did not get a sermon or Bible lesson that actually answered the question that he was asking. What you got was a lesson in diplomacy. What you got was a lesson in how to diffuse the sensitive question of Church of Christ exclusivity. And so, I'm sure he's right in all of that. You, you can diffuse and then have a conversation. But he leaves the door wide open for the answer to the question being, well, you know, here's what the Bible says about the church and religious practice. And, you know, we, the Church of Christ, check all those boxes and your church doesn't check all those boxes. So if your church doesn't check all the boxes, then it's you're not practicing true religion. So that's that's where I think he is. And if he wasn't there, he would have just said it. <laughs> he would he would have just yeah. said so. But he is clearly trying to please and placate a more conservative group, and also trying to please and placate a more liberal group. And when I see people doing that, like for instance, uh, Dr. Michael Brown on on some subjects then what he believes is generally very conservative, but he doesn't want to, you know, tick off yeah, the, the other part of his, his audience. And so, uh, you know, this is all I can do is speculate. If anyone knows the answer, if anyone knows uh, uh, Mike Mazzalongo, 
uh, and wants to appoint him to this podcast, I'll be glad to have a discussion with him. If any of you know what his views are, uh, please drop them in the YouTube comments or pop over to skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com, log into your discuss, discuss account and discuss away. You can send me a private email if you don't want to have a public conversation. It is skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. Clint, close off with your closing thoughts and tell people where they can find you. Well, I felt like he did answer the question, but it was a lot of sophistry to get there. As we've been saying, the whole issue was when you uncover his core presuppositions, that's where you find his answer. And the presupposition was whatever he said about the Church of Christ's history in terms of evangelism, the answer was we have the truth. We have the corner on the truth, the way we interpret the Bible, the way we read the Bible. So that shorthand, when he says, we only do what the Bible says, we only, our practices are what the Bible teaches, that's disingenuous. Because as a Bible scholar myself, I know when you study a passage in the Greek or the Hebrew, there are multiple possible explanations and interpretations of that passage. Why else do we have so many denominations? We have charismatics on the one hand and cessationists on the other. Both are convinced that they're absolutely correct, 100%, and they're diametrically opposed to each other. Now, he would say the charismatic is not a true Christian because they aren't reading and interpreting the Bible correctly like I do, like the Church of Christ does. But he, you know, he danced around that so, so effectively <laughs> that it was hard to pin him down. But if you break down his presuppositions, that's where you end up with, I think. But it was very carefully done, as you said. So uh, if you would like to discuss this further, please discuss it with Clint Haycock. Where can they find you, Clint? Okay, so you can find me, the MindShift Podcast. I'm on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at MindShift2018. You can look up the Public Mindship Podcast Facebook page. You can send me an email there. There's a little button you can click. So there's a lot of ways to get a hold of me on social media or just follow the podcast. Cool. Very good. And I am going to show a lot of self-restraint and not even mention red letters at patreon.com slash red letters. <laughs> uh, I am not going to publicly thank the uh, newest patron who uh, became a patron even as the show was going on. So thank you. You know who you were. I'm not going, I'm going to exercise restraint <laughs> and not do any of that. <laughs> so, You've done really well. Um, oh, I forgot to mention mine. Yeah. If people want to follow me, uh, you can support me on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Mindshift Podcast. So yeah, that's another thing. Definitely uh, support uh, Clint. I understand he sometimes has brilliant guests. That's true. Someone named David Johnson was on recently. I'm even. showing pay, I'm showing restraint. <laughs> right. Like you were on twice. This is this is me in restraint mode. <laughs> so, I'd hate to see you in full flight then. Oh no, no. I'm, I'm you don't want to see that. Um Okay. So uh yeah, folks, uh I, I said that I was gonna end it there, but I, I just I do have to end with this thought, um, just to be very clear about where I'm coming from so what you are hearing even if you interpret this in the most liberal way what what mike Mez, mezlongo was saying 
it's still a very poisonous doctrine. Yeah, and this is, is the this is the far left of the church. This is the good church of Christ. This is as good as it gets. And this guy is still very happy to say in public that all you Muslims and Hindus and Confucianists and yeah, uh, and and atheists are going to hell. Yep. Yeah. So and possibly a lot of other Christians too. A lot of other Christians. So I I just yeah. have to I gotta say, uh, one more time in my in my reverse altar call, get out. <laughs> okay. Run do not walk to the nearest exit. Yeah. All right. Uh well, I can't wait until we do this again next month. Uh Clint. Thanks. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be good. Thanks so much. And um, you know, we will do a different kind of sermon then and an actual sermon with a beginning, middle, and end with a point that Ooh, is clearly stated. Three points? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> I just want you to feel at home. I, I understand Church of Christ homiletics. Like <laughs> So, oh, yeah. so uh, until next time, everyone, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.